church. It is so great to see you this morning. We are so thankful to be here. Amen? Amen. Just a couple of things I want to share with you. But first, if you are uh, visiting us, you've been coming for a while, we'd love to get to know you. And there's a couple ways you can do that. You can actually go out onto the atrium to the welcome desk and fill out a connect card and talk with someone if you have any questions. Also, digitally, you can put in the phone number 904-441-6900 and put text connect, and that will give you that card. If you have a prayer request, you can put the same phone number in and put the prayer request in that. Even during the week, if you have a prayer request come up, we'd love to pray with you. Please know that we look at that every time you put it in, and we do pray for you and pray with you and alongside of you. In your bulletin, um, you also have the opportunity to, if like me, in the middle of the week, you want to know something that's going on in the life of the church, you can put the word news in, text that word news to the same phone number, and that will give you the same written bulletin digitally, and you can see what's going on. Just a couple of things I want to share with you this morning. Um, the first one is, not tomorrow, but next Monday the 12th through the 16th, the CLC and the sanctuary we will have no electricity. They are moving the transformer to start the new family and activity center buildings, and I am so excited for that. We'll get to see that foundation start and just get to see God's work in that. And so um, just to let you know, we will have no activities that week and no midweek activities as well. Another thing I want to share with you, you received the card in your bulletin, and it's also online. You can go to AnastasiaChurch.org and see that we have different services for Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve here, you will be coming at 1.30 or 3. If you want to go to the CL services, they're 4.30 and at 6 p.m. And also Sunday morning, Christmas Day, we have one service. We'll be here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. But I encourage you to take the card, share it with a family member or a friend, invite them to come and just worship baby Jesus with you at the same time our Savior, right? Amen. Also, today is our second week of Advent, second Sunday. It's love, and the love that we have for each other is that agape love that we receive when we receive the Holy Spirit. So just turn your attention to the a video. Thank you. I like that video. That's a good one. 
so today, uh, the second candle of the Advent wreath, which is purple, symbolizes love. It reminds us of the Holy Family's experience in Bethlehem. The color of the second Advent candle is associated with royalty and reminds us that Christ is the King of Kings. We await the coming of a new king from Bethlehem. This morning, Ron and Susan Cockerham are lighting the candle. Now, if you open, if you look on your screen for our opening hymn, "Hark, the Herald Angel Sing." Stand as we sing. So before the baby Jesus was even born, an angel told Joseph, she, talking about Mary, will bear a son and he will save his people from their sins. Decades later, as the adult Jesus was just beginning his ministry, John the Baptist said of him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That good news that Jesus provided a way to be made right with God, even though we are sinful people, is worth singing about. So let's stand again and sing, While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks at Night. <laughs> While shepherds watch their flocks by night, Oh, see. 
church. Uh, in just a few minutes, uh, we are going to take part in the Lord's Supper, our communion this morning. Uh, but before we partake, you should have received as you came in uh, the elements. And if you did not, we have some of our deacons to be ready. You just raise your hand if you did not receive the elements. Boy, our deacons are on, on point this morning. <laughs> I don't see any hands. Okay. Well, uh, if you would go ahead uh, as we get ready to prepare and just go ahead and take that first seal off there. Uh, as we prepare our hearts, uh, which reveals the bread there. And I'd invite you now, um, before we partake, just a couple instructions. One is that you do not need to be a member of this church uh, to partake in the Lord's Supper. All that we ask is that you would be a follower of the Lord Jesus. And that you would have a relationship with him. Uh, scripture is very clear that uh, we're not to take the Lord's Supper in, in an unworthy manner. And so if there is uh, one that you do not have a relationship with the Lord, if there are some things in your life that would prevent you this morning, I'd say hold to doing that this morning. But also, we're going to take a moment just to reflect, to confess, to humble ourselves, to remember the cost that Christ paid for our salvation. And if you'll hold your communion uh, until that time, and we will partake in together. But take a minute just to prepare your heart this morning to receive. Scriptures tell us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken on our behalf. Lord, we are grateful for the sacrifice that you endured on the cross and that you made for us. And God, we, we know by your wounds, by your stripes, we can know healing through your sacrifice and through the relationship that you have made a way for us to have. And so, Father, as we take a minute this morning to remember, to reflect on your body which was sacrificed for us, Lord, we give thanks and we give you glory. In Christ's name we pray. You may partake. You will reveal the juice on the bottom part of your cup. 
Scriptures say, in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood, and as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was poured out on our behalf, Lord, and we know that Scripture says without the shedding of blood, there cannot be remission of sin. And so, Lord, your blood was the sacrifice. You were the sacrificial lamb. And without you, we were lost without hope. But God, you provided a way through your son, Jesus. So Jesus, we give thanks as we remember your sacrifice and your blood that was shed for our behalf. And we give you all glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may partake. Scriptures say that as often as you eat this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he shall one day return again. Amen, church. Uh, as we continue in our service, I would ask you to join me as we pray uh, for the tithes and offerings given unto the Lord and for his kingdom and for his church. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we are so grateful for the faithfulness of this church. We thank you. Uh, for God, how you are using this church uh, to just uh, reach this community and to reach this world, Lord. We pray, Father, that the tithes and offerings given, Lord, God, would further your kingdom and further your purpose. God, we want to give you all glory in everything that we do and say and give. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Miss Connie. Well, good morning, church. 
Well, it's good to see you here this morning, and Merry Christmas, right? It's right around the corner here. Uh, good to see you again in the house. I, I was telling the 8 o'clock uh, service that every time I, I come in the sanctuary when the Christmas decorations are up, I get a, a tinge of anxiety. And I had to try to figure out why that was, but it's because I got married on December 18th in the sanctuary. And so when I got married, all the Christmas decorations were up, and I can remember sitting right there or standing right there feeling very nervous. So I think that's, that's the Christmas decorations bringing back that memory for me. Uh, but anyways, I'll survive, okay? Uh, good, good to see you again in the church this morning. You know, we're continuing our sor- series called A Stable Influence. This is our Christmas series. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about, as we look at this series, we're really looking at Christ's lasting influence on humanity, on each and every one of us, and how his life, ministry, uh, really who he was, has influenced us uh, throughout the ages. And really, the definition of influence is to have the capacity to have effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. And, you know, so as we look at Christ's life, he has influenced us throughout the ages, throughout the time, uh, through his ministry and life. But, you know, influence is a funny thing. Sometimes in life we can be influenced to do things that maybe don't make sense, right, or uh, that we don't really know why. Uh, and right now is an interesting time, right? Uh, there's a lot of people being influenced to buy things, right? Uh, it's the Christmas season, and uh, I read some statistics that saying that following uh, Thanksgiving uh, into Black Friday and the days to follow, that 70% of Americans would be shopping or buying something. 70% of Americans. And the reason that we're often influenced is through advertising, right? We see it in a magazine or we see on TV or we see it on our phones in a text message, an email, on social media. Uh, We see advertising or or a sale or something that encourages us to buy. I mean, it's everywhere. Billboards, on TV, even when you close your eyes at night, there's advertising going on, right? Uh, Everywhere we look, we're being influenced to purchase or to buy. You know, it is interesting to think, though, that as we come together to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, we're also celebrating his influence on each one of our lives. But his influence was not to buy the latest gadget or to get the greatest gift or uh, outfit. Rather, his influence, his desire for each and every one of us was to experience and is to experience the fullness of life that comes from living in relationship with him and him alone. That was his influence. That was his legacy. And that's what we celebrate uh, this Christmas season. And so as we talk about influence, I would say that Jesus' life and leadership influences you and I at every turn and corner in life. No matter what we're going through, no matter what season we're in, Jesus' is influence and his exampleship is there to remind us of how he is calling us. And regardless of our gender, our age, our skin color, our nationality, Jesus has provided us an example for which to follow. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit more about that. You know, Pastor Walter last week talked about Jesus' influence specifically on women. And so this week, I would like to focus on Jesus' influence on men, his legacy, his example uh, that, that he has left us. Uh, But I would say, you know, regardless of whether you are a man or woman in here this morning, your understanding of Christ's influence and exampleship for men or women is important. And the reason is because we all play a role in shaping what norms and our understanding of who God has called us to be. I I think it's no um, really uh, secret that with so much in our society, our questioning has come around the identity of men and women. And so as we see that questioning happening in our culture, it is that much, therefore, that much more important for each and every one of us to know how God has influenced and called us in our lives. You know, as we look at uh, mothers, uh, women specifically, as we talk about the importance of understanding the role that God has called and influenced, how he's influenced man, mothers are going to raise sons and influence them as they become uh, boys and then men. Uh, Wives will marry husbands who bear expectations of the role that men should play and called to play. So if you're a woman in the room, don't turn out thinking this message is not for you. It is for all of us to hear how God has influenced and shaped each and every one of us. But I want to look this morning at how Christ has influenced men and his stable influence there. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 this morning. If you have your Bibles and you're able to stand this morning, turn and stand with me to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. 
says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor over Syria and all went to be registered, each on his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. What I want to point out and reveal as we read this part of the scripture is that even as Jesus entered this earth as the form of a babe, he brought influence into the world. As we read into this passage, we can see his influence was influencing the government, right? The, the local and the national government there. Jesus influenced his mother uh, and his, her relationship with God and her understanding of her role that she had to play as the mother of Jesus. Uh, Jesus influenced his father Joseph and his understanding of the role that God had called him to play in the life of Jesus and as a father. And so we see from the very beginning, from the very first breath that Jesus took on earth, he was influencing the world around him. But his influence didn't stop there. His influence continued throughout the ages, through his ministry, uh, through his time on earth as he resurrected uh, from the tomb and from the grave. His influence is carried forward and it affects you and I today. And he has influenced us in great many ways and how we live our lives and how we conduct our lives. And so I want to look more deeply at that, but specifically as it relates to men this morning. I love what 1 Peter 2.21 says, and I think that kind of encapsulates uh, what, what I want to look at this morning. And it says this, For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. I believe, men, for the call for each and every one of us is to follow in the exampleship in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. And so that's the calling that God has placed on our life. And, and so I want to look this morning a little bit more specific on how he is calling us and how he is asking us to follow in his footsteps and exampleship. If you're taking notes this morning, following in Jesus' footsteps as men's means, first of all, Servanthood is the job description for manhood. Servanthood is the job description for manhood. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus' example for each and every one of us, specifically men too, is to be that of servants. First and foremost, serving the Lord our God. Secondly, to serve and to love those around us. That is the calling, that is the exampleship that Christ has given us to be that of a servant. You know, it's thinking about, you know, if you had to put down uh, on paper what it would be look like, what is God asking us, what would be the job description, so to speak, of being a man, a follower of Christ, Right? And, and, you know, part of my role here at Anastasia is I serve as uh, over our discipleship team. And so I work with a lot of our staff. I oversee and encourage and support them. And, and so through my time here at Anastasia, I've had to write a lot of job descriptions. And if you've ever had to write a job description, it's a tough task, right? When you start thinking about all the requirements, all the expectations, all the tasks that have to get done to fulfill the job description, when you start typing those out and you start putting them on paper, what can tend to happen is that you have a job description that no, no one can fulfill, right? You have a job or a job description that is way beyond what one single person can do. And so I struggle with that sometimes. And so sometimes I'll get this job description and I have to look back over and I said, who could do this, right? I have to make it feasible. And you know, I think when we think about what it means to be a man that is following after the Lord's commandment, to be the man that God has called us to be, sometimes we can feel like it's an impossible job that we could never complete, right? It seems overwhelming to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, isn't his exampleship? But the reality is, I think Jesus made it really simple. 
It's not overcomplicated. It's not this long job description. It's pretty simple. And it's not how much you can bench press. It's not can you change the oil in your car by yourself. It's not how many chicken wings you can eat in a single setting, right? The job description for being a man after God's own heart, it's simple. The requirement is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what he asks. That's his exampleship. That's the requirement. And what is the expectation? That you serve God and you serve others. It's quite simple. That's how I would think and define what it means to be a godly man. You know, I think if we were to find manhood on the backdrop of what the world says, it would look quite different. It's defined by how much power you have, how much influence or wealth or position. These are the characteristics that define manhood on worldly terms. But if we're going to look at the scriptural evidence of who Jesus was and the life that he lived, we look at passages of scriptures like Philippians 2.7, which talks about that Jesus did not even consider equality with man something to be grasped, but humbled himself in the form of a servant. Saying that later on that we should follow in his example. That we should too also live our lives as servants. And as we look even in uh, the Old Testament, as we look at the prophetic scriptures in Isaiah talking about the coming Messiah, and it described him as a servant to God's will and a servant to the salvific need of humanity. This is the example. If we see and we define manhood on the, the backdrop of the life of Christ, manhood is defined by humility, servanthood. It's defined by self-sacrifice. It's defined by giving of oneself for the sake of others. This is the biblical understanding of what it means to be a man. Although I would say that it's, it's more than just servanthood, I would say the basis and the foundation for us to be the men that God has called us starts with us being a servant first and foremost to God and then serving and loving those around us. Serving should start in, in, our, in our relationship with the Lord. It should bleed over to our families and our friends and our church and our work. You know, Jesus addressed often when, when they... Uh, Culturally, during the time of Christ, they would uh, see men of power, see men of prestige and position. And that was, uh, for many during that time, the stereotype of what it meant to be a man. But Jesus broke that down. Matthew chapter 20, 25, he says, But Jesus called to them, speaking of the Gentile leaders, and he says, You know the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. In other words, he was saying what made them powerful and made them men was their authority and their power. But in verse 26, as he speaks to his disciples, he says this, It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Jesus says anybody who is going to be great is going to be first a servant. This is the call. This is the idea that Jesus is painting, that you and I are called to be servants. You know, it's quite simple for any of us to go out and to serve. be easy for us to go serve our neighbor or uh, maybe to serve in a ministry within our church or maybe, uh, maybe go down to the St. Francis house and prepare a meal and serve those residents there. Any of us could do that. But what Jesus is after is not just that we would serve. He's after the heart behind our service. See, Jesus wants us to embody a servant leader. One who is sold out to Christ and to worshiping him and to his exampleship and living our lives as to give our lives in service to the Lord. In other words, we're not in it for the accolade. We're not in it for the reward. We're not in it for the thanks. We're in it to serve God, and that's it. You know, as having a servant heart means not only putting others ahead of our own needs, but to serve with the right motivation, and that is to put God's will first. Rewards, recognition, or even gratitude cannot be our motivation to live out true servanthood. It should be to worship and honor Jesus. You know, when you and I come to the end of our life and we stand before God, I think we're going to give account to the life that we lived here on earth. And I think a part of that account is going to be twofold. One, simply, did you serve? Did you serve? Did you take time out of your life, do you give of your resources, your time, and your energy to serve the Lord your God? And then I think the second is a part of that. What was your motivation to serve? 
I think we're going to hold be accountable for those two things at the end of our life. Because I see that Jesus laid out before of us on that each one of us as men at the top of our resume should be servant. That we are in the service of the king. Second thing you can write down this morning is shepherding is our greatest objective. Shepherding is our greatest objective. John 10, 14 says this, I am the good, Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, Jesus serves as our great example of what it means to be a shepherd, providing, protecting, and leading his sheep. And even in times, chasing after that one that got lost, right? Anybody in here the one that got lost before? I was, right? And, and Jesus pursued us. He pursued us in relationship. And so he, he paints out this idea that God has called us to be shepherds, providing and protecting and leading in our field of influence. And see, shepherd is not just a shepherd in the field. was not one just one who protected and led the, the sheep physically. But as Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, he's talking about caring for spiritually those who he had been entrusted to. And some of you in here may say, Sam, I don't know that I feel called to be a shepherd. You may say, Sam, I, I see that as the role, the calling of the pastor as the church leader. But can I tell you that as I see in Scripture and I look deeply, I think that each and every one of us has called to be shepherds or under-shepherds. That's working under the leadership of Jesus in our field of influence, in our sphere of influence. The reason I believe that is that Jesus is the head shepherd, right, called and appointed uh, under shepherds himself, that because his ministry and time on earth was limited and he had limited availability during his time on earth and ministry on earth, what he did to ensure that the people were cared for, that people were ministered to, is he appointed disciples and ministry leaders and followers to help shepherd those whom he had been trusted to. In other words, they were under shepherds. Under shepherds would have been a, a common thing understood uh, during the time of Christ because shepherds in the field, physical shepherds, sometimes due to the, the, the multitude of sheep that they were uh, entrusted to look over, they needed to hire under shepherds. And the under shepherds would work directly under the leadership of the head shepherd, but they were there to make sure that the sheep didn't get lost uh, they didn't get uh, attacked by wolves or other predatory prey. Uh, they were there to make sure that the sheep got led to pasture and to feed and found water. This was an important part. If, if there wasn't enough under-shepherds to assist the shepherd, what happened is that sheep would get lost without being noticed. They wouldn't be led to pasture. Uh, and, and they weren't cared for. And so it was very important, very important to have under-shepherds at the time. You know, similarly in, in the church, I know my role as a pastor is to be a shepherd. I know my role here is to look over, to care for, uh, to minister to this church. I know that that's my role. But I also understand that I am one shepherd. And that there are many whom that God has called me and the rest of this church staff to care for. And I realized that the only way that I can ensure that we shepherd the, the flock well is to appoint and enlist under shepherds. That's ministry leaders, life group leaders, volunteers. So it's important for us to have those under shepherds. And in that case, I would say that each and every one of us, man and woman, are called to shepherd in our influence, shepherd in our field, shepherd in our families, shepherd in the workplace, shepherd in our relationships, in our neighborhoods. God has called us to lead, protect, and guide, and share the good news of the faith with those around us. He has called us to be under shepherds. You know, when I, I look at the church, and I look at our community, and I look at the world around us, it reminds me how desperately we need each and every one of us to be shepherding in our field. Shepherding in the place that God has put us. You know, we just started a, a ministry here at Anastasia, and we've, we've We've titled the ministry Called the Care. And this is a ministry really uh, designed to help support and come alongside of our families within the church who are fostering or adopting. We know that's important. We know that's a call of the church to look after, to care for. 
And, and so we've been putting this ministry together. We're just getting it started, but I'm really excited because I believe that this is, this is what it's about. Those families who are adopting and fostering, who are shepherding these kids who are in need of, of parents. But I think that is so important. And so we want to come alongside of them. And those families that are fostering and adopting, we say, we got your back as a church. Whatever you need, we want to be there. And I'm praying that this ministry is going to expand and that we would, as a church, we would, we would do awareness and training for families who want to foster and adopt, that we would reach out into the community and help the needs for families who are fostering and adopting. I'm praying that the ministry grows. Because I don't know if you know this, but no, the month of November that we just got out of and stepped into December is, is Foster and Adoption Awareness Month. And as you start hearing the statistics, that there are right now more than 100,000 kids in the U.S. awaiting fostering or adoption. What does that say to me? It says to me that we need more shepherds in the church. We need more of those who would come alongside foster adoptive families. We need more within the church who would say, yes, I'll foster and I'll adopt. We need to be supporting. We need to be shepherding. And this is the call that God has put on our lives. And as men, he has called us to shepherd. We need to be those shepherds that he's calling us to be. Third thing that you can write down this morning is living within the margins of God's authority. If we're going to follow in Jesus' exampleship and steps, we're going to be living within the margins of God's authority. John 14 says this, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, does his work. See, even Jesus lived under the authority and the guiding of the Father. It was the Father who led and directed his life. Jesus lived within the margins the Father placed him in. Jesus led the life that God the Father had called him to live. And you know, in our lives, God gives us margins to live life within. So you could call these boundaries or margins or guides or trail markers and these are there for a reason. They're not there for our punishment, but they're there for us to live a life that honors and pleases the Lord. But beyond that, living in those boundaries, living in those, uh, those margins helps us to experience the fullness of God's blessings in our life. And so God has created us to experience those blessings and to honor a life that lives, or uh, living our life that honors and glorifies Him. You know, we talk about boundaries. I don't know if you know this, but uh, about 300 yards from where I stand right here, give or take, uh, in, in the future, we're going to be having a family ministry building built right now. It's back there. You can see the, the groundwork being there. Uh, but we're in that family ministry center. We're going to have a gym, a basketball court. And I'm really excited that we're going to have this opportunity to outreach to our community, that we can have young kids and young adults uh, come have a safe place to play and to have fun, but also that we can share with them the hope of Jesus. I'm looking forward to those days when that gym is open and people can come in and have fun but hear the good news of Jesus. But i got to tell you something. I'm remarkably terrible at basketball. I mean, I am just awful at basketball. In fact, when I was the youth pastor here and I'd often, I, I would play basketball with a lot of our kids and sometimes they would need someone to play on the team and they'd reluctantly ask me. When I would play on the same basketball team with the kids, None of them would make eye contact with me. They were so ashamed of how bad I played basketball. They didn't even want to look at me. But I, even though I'm terrible at basketball, I get the general understanding of the game, right? The rules of the game. In basketball, on the court, there are these boundary lines that are painted on the perimeter of the basketball court. And to ensure that you understand, when you're on that basketball court and you're in the boundaries of the basketball game, you know, you can shoot the basketball within that boundary line, wherever, right? And if you shoot that basketball and make it in the hoop within those boundaries, you score points for your team. Unless I'm on your team, you're not going to score any points, right? You can shoot a shot from the free throw line. You can shoot a shot from the, the three-point line, the half-court line, the full-court line, anywhere in those boundaries, if you make a basket, you will score uh, points that will help your team uh, be set up for success. But the minute that you step outside of those boundaries, you can still be successful in making shots and, and uh, shooting the ball and the goal, but they don't count for anything. 
They don't count for points. They don't help your team towards victory. Only those shots that are made within the boundaries of the court. I think the same is true in life. You know, we can experience some worldly success outside of God's boundaries and living a life outside of those. But the eternal differences that we make in life, the eternal impacts that we make, are all when we live our lives within the boundaries and guides that God has given us in life. When we commit to following after the commandments and the lordship and the guiding that Jesus has put in our lives, that's when we can really experience the fullness of life in Christ and we can make an eternal difference through his help and through his power in the world around us. You know, this morning... As we talk about the role that God has called each and every one of us to play as men, I don't want to point this sermon or put this sermon out here to point fingers or to make you feel uh, like you're not good enough or you're overwhelmed. Or The goal this morning is for each and every one of us to realize that we can't do it in our own power, that we need to surrender and to rely on the strength and the help that only comes from the Lord Jesus. And so if you're a man in this morning and, and you're saying, Sam, I don't know how I'm going to live in, in the life, in the exampleship that Jesus has placed, it's simple. It starts with surrender. Each and every one of us needs Christ's help in our life. And so this morning as we get ready to have a time of invitation, and guys, this morning, I, I just want to invite you. I don't know what struggles, what challenges you may be going, or, or maybe it's just a simple reminder for you this morning that you just need to go before God and say, God, I need your help. I need you to help me to be the man that you have called me to be. And if you're sitting here this morning, maybe next to uh, a significant other or a man that's important in your life, ladies, I'd encourage you, even during this invitation time, would you just take a moment to pray for him? And maybe uh, that important person that God has placed in your life, that man, or maybe it's a son, maybe it's a father, uh, maybe you just take a, a moment to pray over them this morning. Men, this morning, I invite you, as we have a time of surrender, maybe you just need to surrender before him this morning. Maybe you need to come to this altar and surrender. Maybe you need prayer. Whatever the case is, you come as the Lord leads this morning. But let's stand and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, and we want to give you all glory and honor. Lord, thank you for your exampleship for our lives as men, Lord, as, as believers and followers in Christ. Lord, I pray, Father, that this morning as we have a time of surrender, Lord, that God we would surrender unto you and say, not my will, but your will, Lord Jesus, and that we need your help in every aspect of our life. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your leadership. And thank you for your influence on our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You come this morning. Let's worship. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou might ransom me and quicken from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me?
As we depart, church, your benediction. Be blessed by the Lord, for the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Challenge them for us. Go out now in the peace and in the power of your mighty God. And all God's people who pledged to do so said, Amen. Amen. Have a great day in the Lord.